Kia this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. The Quilted Bananas program plays every Sunday, 10 to 11am, with news, views and music. A collective of presenters, advertisers, community events and discusses news of interest to lesbians, queer women and non-binary folk. We have interviews about past and future sports and cultural events, politics, films, art shows. The programme is sponsored through the generosity of the Rural Foundation. And it plays every Sunday from 10 to 11am on Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM. Good morning. Good morning. I'm just bringing you on, Sue. Here we go. And say something. Say something. Good morning to everyone. There we go. Um, oddly enough, I'm not hearing anything much in my headphones, but that's fine. That's um, okay. We'll get that sorted. Yeah. So we are this, quilted bananas. This morning, we are quilted bananas. Um, are we les geeks? Yes, I think we are les geeks. We we <laughs> we've we've had a a you know identity crisis that's kind of lasted for a year yeah. or so and, and mm-hmm. have eventually got to a, um, mm-hmm. a representation of ourselves. Yeah, it? I mean, uh, the show that we normally present is about um, literature, technology, all kinds of things in between, some politics in there as well, right? So on a play on Les Ukes, which is the ukulele group that we um, play together with periodically, um, yes, we are Les Geeks, I think, is probably the best representation. Quite uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah. So um, thanks for joining us today on Quilted Bananas program, Access Radio 106.1 FM. As you, we've mentioned, we're Les Geeks, but we are a general collective of um, presenters who cover news, politics, activities, interviews, and music for queer women and non-binary folk. Um, and just a big thank you to the Royal Foundation, which is come on board as our sponsor and uh, for this financial year and the grant pays for much of our access radio time and has allowed us to make our voices heard through the wonders of radio and the podcast that people can download later. Um, so uh, I think Sue has some music for us. Well, what have we got, Sue? Um, well, we I, I thought um, the slits, I heard it through the grapevine back to, you know, of um, bit of punk and post punk seventies, mm-hmm. early eighties. Um, yeah, Fiona's got it on her phone for me.
Mine's lost. <laughs> yep. Um, so what have we got on today? We've got a few things on today. Yeah, we've yes. got a combination of, of Fiona's confessions regarding some of the types of books she reads and why she shouldn't feel so bad about them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've got a couple of little um, small news snippets, but now they're small. Um, the, this week... Um, they had the celebrations at Parliament for the 35th anniversary of the passing of the homosexual law reform, um, which I think there was a there was a bit of a bigger celebration 30, for the 30th. Um, but they had had um, quite a collection of people at Parliament, um, and um, it was it was a pretty rugged um, campaign. Um, it was pretty, pretty openly nasty. Um, there were there were sort of street protests either way. Um, the lesbian community at the time was very active in that. Um, these are these are parts of our history that um, we can and should celebrate. Um, and um, it's I, I was interested the um, just just how it's talked about. This, this year it's been talked about about um, decriminalising anal sex and um, relationships between men, um, which is kind of, I was, I was kind of interested because it's normally just been, you know, or up to now, um, how that's been described has re- really been, you know, the, as homosexual law reform. Um, but it was a, um, the legislation, of course, explicitly, affected men um, but the environment that that set up uh, affected both both men and women and and you know queer people generally um, so it's good to see that it's still that it's still celebrated and they that the numbers of parliamentarians now just makes it quite a big event at Parliament. well yeah, yeah and I, th- I thought it was interesting uh, with Nick Smith saying that he was leaving Parliament to say that he regretted um, that he had voted against it, I think. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Um, as he had a gay son. And I certainly saw some, uh, you know, comment on the media that basically said, well, that's that's all very well, but it's a bit late, really. It yeah. is, yeah, especially as you're going out the door. Um, yeah. And actually, um, I don't know if anyone saw the stuff article about the th- the 35-year anniversary um, this week. But I thought it was particularly 
well written and, and um, it just kind of went into quite a lot of detail, I guess, of the history of the time rather than it wasn't clickbaity in any way. It actually um, it was you know you could you could keep it and then show it to somebody who didn't really know much about that. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, I thought it was quite good. And how they've had an event this week, I think, with Fram Wild at Parliament as well, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. So that's that's one of those things to note on the good side of the coin. Um, on the mm. much less good side of the coin, um, I have a friend who lives in Ohio. Um, which has probably brought this to my attention a little bit more, but it started to appear on some of the Twitter streams, which is that the Ohio State Legislature has recently passed a piece of legislation that allows um, people from um, or people to be refused medical treatment b- because of their LGBTQIA um, identities. Um, and that that was passed um, despite the objection of um, all of the uh, a number of medical um, so so from practitioners to hospitals to um, to healthcare providers and health insurers all saying we should not do this and the legislature has has done that despite all of that. Um, that's quite disappointing, but I think um, symptomatic of a broader um, kind of assault on civil rights in in the US. Well, yeah, and elsewhere as well. I mean, um, just a couple of other things that I picked up in the news as well um, was about, uh, let me just bring it up, it was about a, a picture book in Hungary, for example, and there's lots happening there to mm. basically um, uh, stop people, um, or basically sort of offences against the LGBT community, I guess, in Hungary. But also, for example, there was a picture book that had that had been translated from English into Hungarian that was about, um, I think the author had done um, uh, one book about a little boy who he had, or a child anyway, who had two fathers, and I think it was a kind of a wake up kind of you know enjoy the day kind of book, and the other one was a kind of a you know one about um, a, a a small kid who had two mummies, and um, you know kind of a going to bed kind of you know sort of you know having a good sleep kind of. I obviously I haven't read them, but um, the library here in Wellington has one of them, the one with the fathers. But but both of those books were banned, um, as mm. far as I can remember. So, but yeah, and also actually this brings on to mind a book that I had got out of Hutt City Libraries just this week, which was a new one called We Can Do Better Than This, and it's got um, and the subtitle of it is 34, 35 Voices on the Future of L- LGBTQ Plus Rights. Um, it's edited by Amelia Abraham, and um, it's got some really poignant stories in here. Um, there's uh, particularly one from a young guy who was in Bangladesh. Um, after a while, he knew he was gay, um, but he kept it from his family. Um, and uh, basically, he... Um, so he... He went to university, and while he was there, I think he joined a Facebook group, and you had to be invited in by somebody else because um, uh, being gay was outlawed in uh, Bangladesh. And um, so he met quite a few people through that, and it really kind of 
allowed him to be who he wanted to be. Um, after that, he got a really good job, or a job with an international company. And um, so, and then basically he started getting these texts, um, not related to getting a job, but he started getting these texts from people saying, we're going to out you to your family, we're going to out you to... Um, to the church and we're coming to get you basically and they continued and then um, he was worried about it but then a couple of friends of his were actually uh, people broke into their house and uh, some friends of his were murdered and at that point he'd already told his um, bosses at work that um, this was happening and effectively they got him out they um, said uh, where would you like to go if you could to you know, to be protected. And he said, I'd like to go to London because that's where my brother is. They couldn't get him there, but they could get him to Sri Lanka for a while. And so um, basically he knew that if he'd stayed, that he could have well had the same fate, really, And uh, from the Islamic militants there. And um, he eventually made it to London, and even though it was really hard because he mm. didn't know the language mm. and all of that. Um, but there's some other stories in there as well um, from Beth Ditto about talking about, about growing up in a small con conservative Christian town, um, I think in the south, and um, how um, she first learned about queer people from seeing uh, Boy George on MTV. And but after a while, in fact, the um, the local church put pressure on the cable TV, TV company in her state, and uh, MTV was banned. Yeah, pretty crazy. So basically, it sort of talks about how effectively we can do better than this like there are so many things still going wrong all around the world um but yeah really really good uh again that book um uh is we can do better than this uh, 35 voices on the future of lgbtq plus rights um but going back to and i'm passing it over to sue yeah, to yeah. have a quick look at um but also just just popping back to that stuff article about the 35 year anniversary this year of homosexual law reform bill passing um that stuff article that I mentioned also does include a link to uh, and talk about some of the digitised uh, letters um, in the files uh, that were held about um, submissions to that bill. And for example, um, some of them, it says here, deep, detailed deep guilt and feelings of shame at signing petitions which argued against reform. For example, one person wrote to Fran Wilde about the extreme pressure to sign in their workforce when it was circulated. She said, I felt, or they, sorry, they felt, um, uh, I'm not sure um, how the person identifies, um, I feel that the homophobes are getting their twisted and sick imagination run wild, thinking of supposed physical acts and forgetting that a homosexual relationship can express love and affection just the same as a heterosexual relationship can. So they had felt like they had to sign the petition, but then they wrote in to say, Please ignore my yeah. signature. Please cross me off. <laughs> yeah, so um, there's some digitised letters um, on Archives New Zealand site, I think. So um, we'll put a link for that stuff article up on, on the Facebook oh, page, I think. Yeah. yeah, if you're looking for it, uh, the name of the article is Heroes Help Decriminalise Gay Sex, but Equity is Still a Long Way Off. Um, it's by Andre Trumko. Yeah, so... <laughs> shall, we, shall we talk about um, the, the other archives thing? Yes, briefly. yes, that's a really let, good idea. Let us talk about this community thing that's happening. 
with Lagans. now, as yes. we speak. Yeah. So the Lesbian Gay Archives of New Zealand, Lagans is their own. Um, are doing something which is not just, uh, you know, like a little workshop at National Library, which I've been to before, where you all get together, which is fun, and, of course, as well. But this is actually an online transcribathon. They have got a whole lot of index cards that they have um, digitised and uh, put some OCR over. OCR is optical character recognition, which basically means that um, some kind of software scans the um, the digital image and creates a, words out of it. Has a guess. Has a guess, and that's the main reason for the transcribathon is because it is always just a guess, and it depends on you know the quality of the the you know the scan, but also you know particularly depending on how long ago it was, you know how much ink there was on the typewriter ribbon and things yeah. like that. So yeah, so if you're interested in getting involved in that um, transcribathon, it started yesterday. I think they had a Zoom meetup to kind of find out how to do it, but um, you can also learn, I think, on the go just from the website. So it's um, lagans.org.nz forward slash volunteer forward slash index cards index, sorry, index hyphen cards hyphen transcription.html. And if you, if instead you just go to lagans.org.nz, scroll down and it's on the right-hand side in a little box. It's not like top and centre. centre so no, it, no. But, but, it, but it has got a box. So it has got a box. I found that a bit easier to find it. Yes. So I think one of the, yeah. um, it was quite interesting because they put a, an image of one of the cards mm. up. So it'll be one of the cards that's getting transcribed. Um, and and it's kind of interesting those those things that either if you were um, around at the time, or or subsequently that that it kind of triggers a memory as you as you're going through it possibly um, gives you a bit of a connection to um, to the history of of um, the you know queer communities in New Zealand. Um, so so it's actually quite a Quite a nice opportunity to connect with the Legans collection without actually going in and, and trying to find your way through it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's it's it's actually sort of an opportunity for the community as well as an opportunity for um, community to to give back and and, and you can do it wherever you are. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing about these transcribathons because they're it's not the it's not unique to Lagans in any way, shape, or form. I know that um, uh, being involved in kind of the libraries and archives world mm. myself is that there are quite a few of these transcribathons that go on. And uh, I well remember a conference paper that I went to where they said that they put it up on a Friday afternoon, um, just some information about it online. I think this was the Australasian, uh, the Australian Botanical library I think something okay. like that yeah it was really interesting um but anyway they came came back on the Monday morning and the entire thing had been done and it'd been done yes yeah. so if uh, I would say that if you are interested I think it goes to the 24th so for a fortnight but if you're interested I would have a look today because otherwise you might find because it's a global thing you don't have to be in Wellington yep. or even New Zealand um have a bit of a go at it and you might yeah so there are other opportunities elsewhere mm. yeah you know? yeah so when I've I've done a um, transcription of a piece of music, actually. Oh, cool. So as as pieces of mm. um, classical music come out of copyright, there's a project to um, transcribe that into uh, electronic format. So it was through the using MuseScore to um, transcribe wow. them. 
And, um, yeah, I have to say I learned a lot doing that because it has to be a faithful transcription, so it has to match the, the pages and how and the comments and the format of the original one to the extent humanly possible. And uh, I found out that quite a lot was possible, but, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's an interesting exercise to, to do a transcription. Yeah, and this is a quick aside to say that um, uh, Sue and Imogen and the rest of the team that they've trained up at the Glamophones do this incredible job, piecemeal, you know, what's the word? It's not piecemeal. It's um, kind of, you know, yeah. uh, typing in, identifying every single musical note. And for some of the, the songs that we... Uh, have sung recently in the concert, and by the way, we're singing in Palmerston North on the 24th of July. Get your tickets now. Um, uh, but for others that came to the concert uh, uh, last week on uh, the 1st of July, yeah, like um, a song like The Show Must Go On, where you have how many parts were there? Oh, I think there were probably a bit. Ten parts. Ten yeah. parts yeah. plus music, or did that include the music? The, the piano that, that includes the piano. But yeah. still, 10 lines for every sound, every note that you hear. Well, every bar, yeah. Every bar, sorry, yep. that you hear in that music that we're singing, they um, they go through and put each, in within the software called MuseScore, go in and put each note for every all of those 10 parts. So, And from that, uh, they produce MP3s that we can listen to for each of our parts and practice and hopefully the benefits of that were heard last week and will be in a couple of weeks time but but yeah, yeah so you, you so, never hear the full benefit because actually you haven't heard us do it without it because but no that, that was at times <laughs> that was at times quite rough yeah no so um Makes yeah, it deep. so but so so for anyone who's interested in coming along to the glamour phones if you think well oh, I can't read music well um, a lot of people don't a lot of people don't yeah and, and one of the ways that you can that can learn the music is is to have um, just a uh, MP3 with your part on it and you mm-hmm. just sing along to that. In the car. In the car. In the shower while you're working, supposed to be working from dishes. home. When the, during the dishes, yes, I have done it during the dishes as well. Yeah. And hopefully, <laughs> I think it, it, helped quite, it helped me quite a lot, feel more comfortable. But anyway, maybe it's time for some yeah. more music. I um, Just recently, um, I was reading an article in the New York Times about a woman mm. called Lucy Dacus, who is a... Mm. Um, uh, singer who has come to the fore singing in a trio with um, uh, Phoebe Bridges and somebody else, a guy whose name escapes me currently. But anyway, she's just put out a new track called VBS and um, this is from the new album that she's putting out uh, and it's about basically going to a Christian camp and feeling completely out of sync with everyone because you know that you're a lesbian. Yeah. Mm. So anyway... Here is, you can tell that I'm doing tech at the same time, can't you? <laughs> um, so here we go. So this is VBS by Lucy Dacus. Seven, I was sure i go to heaven, but I was hedging my bets at VBS. A preacher in a t-shirt told me I could be a leader, taught me how to build a fire. Spread the word in the evening. 
So that was the end of Lucy Dacus. So we're just taking taking that off. And here we go. So are you there? Am I here? I can yes, think I, I can hear you. Yeah. Yes, there you go. Now I'm here. Now you're there. There you go. So um, you can tell it's community radio, can't you? Yes, you can. <laughs> 
Okay. But, so, but we haven't actually had anything fall over thanks to the prayers of the previous. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. They, if they you paid for our technology. That. Yes, they uh, they gave a wee prayer at the end about they had a technical failure, so they put in a prayer, yeah. and we were out there listening to it. Yeah. And uh, because of that, we haven't had so many technical no, failures. We've, we've had a had a smooth run so far. It's kind yes. of cursing it, isn't it? But exactly. Anyway. <laughs> and I'm even recording it as well for our own posterity in case well, there's a problem with the uh, recording. Sometimes we seem to, uh, Sue and I, our show, sometimes miss, gets missed from being recorded because of a software fault. So we're doing our own one. Very trusting of us. Yes, exactly. Um, so one of the things that we talked about before that we would talk about in the show was about Fiona's embarrassment about reading romance novels. So, you know, you go down one of those rabbit holes and even kind of one of those serendipitous ones where as soon as you start thinking about something, things pop up about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure if that's quite the right word, but it started this week when a uh, colleague at work happened to mention that it an event was coming up next month in Wellington, and it's the Ro- Romance Writers. I'll start again. Ripper. The Romance Writers of New Zealand conference, and I didn't have a clue that there was an organisation called that, but I was really intrigued about the range of speakers they had coming up um, at the conference. But more on that later. And uh, yeah, you might have noticed that we haven't really talked much about romance no, books on Sue and my show. Uh, we've talked about thrillers and quite a bit about speculative fiction. And um, we've even talked about Crimance, which is my own special favourite, which is that um, mix of crime and romance. I think it seems to be an LGBT um, IQ specific term. Like I've never heard of Crimance in uh, just regular mainstream fiction. But um, we haven't really talked much about purely romance and uh and as mentioned, I like to keep my romance. Um, I like to keep my, my romance. No, my enjoyment, <laughs> my enjoyment of ro- lesbian romance is a little quiet. Maybe I'm a bit embarrassed about it, but it seems I'm not the only one. And the rabbit hole I mentioned earlier was caused uh, by me later in the day after hearing about the conference, the Romance Writers of New Zealand's conference, um, and visiting Arapaki Manor's library um, and discovering that a magazine I'd enjoyed in the past from the library called Mislexia, and it's an Australian woman writer's magazine, uh, was there. And um, so it's always got poetry and interesting articles about it, and it's it's aimed not so much as the reader, but definitely the writer, and about getting around uh, blocks, and it talks to some interesting writers in the past about things that they've done to get over blocks and that kind of thing. But in there, just... Quite serendipitously, as mentioned, there was a big article on romance literature and how undervalued it was. So I wanted to read you some parts of the article because it really spoke to how I was feeling and maybe others out there are too. So to the article, and this is Ms. Lexia, M-S-L-E-X-I-A. Oh, actually, I'm terribly apologetic. It's not Australian. It is actually British, this one, because I can see that the... The printed currency on the cover is eight pound ninety five. So oh. there we go. It's it's British. So, but anyway, the big article in here is called "Why Do Feminists Read Romance?" 
And um, it says here, with the recent success of Netflix's adaptation of Julia Quinn's Bridgerton novels and the news, which was news to me anyway, that Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson, is writing a Mills and Boone novel, um, romance fiction is in the spotlight. Often mocked and maligned, there is nonetheless a huge market for these novels. And according to the Romantic Novelists Association, which is RNA, short. A romance novel was purchased every two seconds in 2017 and E.L. James's Fifty Shades of Grey, often regarded as erotic fiction but characterised as romance by the book sales monitor Nielsen and by the author herself is the best selling book since record began and the romance fiction category sold 58 million books for £265.3 million in the UK from 2010 to 2019. So who are reading all these books and what harm, if any, are they doing to us? Well, the typical plot of boy meets girl, boy, boy fills out with girl, boy and girl live happily ever after seems quintessentially regressive and anti-feminist, but perhaps the genre is more progressive than we realise. And um, I should mention that this isn't a queer magazine, so it is aiming at the straight audience, but it does go into some other things later, which we'll find out. So Professor Helen Taylor of the University of Exeter certainly thinks so. She says... In the unexpectedly um, subverse world of romance novels, she points out that the rise of the women's movement in the 1970s was matched by a significant growth in sales of romantic fiction. Was there a link? She said, critics have suggested the romance provides women with this opportunity for self-transcendence to imagine being ravished, adored, protected and loved. She writes, it also enables women imaginatively to resist the constraints and excesses of a male-dominated society and to find a cathartic space in which to explore fear and guilt. Interesting, but that's not the only reason women, including feminists, relish immersing themselves in the romance genre. At its most basic is the appeal of watching two people fall in love. Hannah Smith, a commissioning editor at the publisher Aria, says... Um, quote, there is something magnetic about watching the journey of two people finding one another, seeing their ups and downs and watching how they grow together. Then there's the feel-good factor. She said, romance explores the roller coaster of human emotions. Uh, in fact, that was the specialist literary agent, Kate Nash, but is ultimately positive, affirming and escapist. And um, Giovanni Chirica, who's a microbiologist who also writes rye rom-coms, as Rhoda Baxter agrees, she said, a romance novel promises that everything will be okay in the end. For romance readers who live their lives on the fluttering edge of anxiety, this promise is vital, and that certainly spoke to me. Um, but it's not just escapism that's a draw. Alison May, who was the author of All That Was Lost, about 1960s medium Patrice Lee, uh, feels that romance also creates a safe space where, quote, darker and more harrowing emotion can be explored vicariously. And uh, best-selling romance novelist uh, Millie Johnson, who was awarded the RNA's Outstanding Achievement Award last year, claims that romance authors give people a prop to help them survive in our hard and scary world. She says, readers who are hooked up to chemotherapy drips tell us that we're taken... We've taken their frightened brains to a better place and shown them templates of healthy relationships or that they've taken inspiration from fictional characters and started up their own businesses. And she's witnessed a massive upsurge in the need for romance during the pandemic because people have wanted to escape. And her assertion is backed up by the statistics. Data editor Kira O'Brien of the bookseller notes that there is definitely a move to comfort reads over erotica in 2020. 
with um, publisher Dilly Court scoring three number one spots in the mass market fiction chart and strong sales for books about summer holidays and Christmas romance. Um, another appeal of romance, according to Sarita Domingo, who's the author and commissioning editor of Harlequin, Moon, Harlequin and Mills and Boons, is that there's a uni universal genre that can also cater to very specific needs and interests. Historical, suspenseful, funny, there's something for everyone. And um, yes, uh, apparently the um, New York Times romance novelist, romance columnist, sorry, Olivia Waite, yes, there is such a role, believes that romance is so adaptable because it only has one rule, a happy ending. She said you can write in any tone, mix it with any genre, set it in any time and place with people who may or may not even be human. And I guess that just spoke to me as well. Um, so and I was just talking about this on the way into town, how, um, you know, um, A.J. Fitzwater's book, No Man's Land, uh, it was a speculative fiction book about people who were shapeshifters um, but it was also at its heart a romance as well. So, um, sorry, that's just hmm. me turning the page. Um, and snobbery about the, the genre means that many of its readers, just reading from the article again, describe it as a guilty pleasure, though Lane has noticed some aficionados being loud and proud about their romance reading habits, including the Observer's, uh, the Observer magazine's uh, Sarah Hughes confessing to a serious bonk buster. <laughs> Yeah, this January, um, Chirika applauds him. No one should feel guilty about reading for pleasure. If you're reading for entertainment, read what entertains you. And if you like books that make you laugh and feel uplifted, then own it. Uh, arguing in Bustle a few years back, that's the Bustle Online magazine, that romance novels might be some of the most rebellious books you can read right now. E.C. Miller says that referring to romance novels as a guilty pleasure is just one more way to disparage, dismiss and discount women's stories equality, needs and desires. And um, yeah, so and just a little bit more from this article, many of the criticisms of uh, romance, uh, quote, engage with the older bodice rippers where abhorrent sexual politics came in for pointed critique and which were also pretty frequently racist, ableist and queerphobic, says Olivia Waite, who is a New York Times romance columnist. Um, though these could be dismissed as relics of the past, she admits there is still plenty of bigotry to be found in current romances that offer happily ever after endings only to, to white, straight, Christian, able-bodied people. And um, in fact, uh, as some of you might have heard about some of the um, issues that happened with the Romance Writers of America conference um, or that group a few years back or a year or so back, um, issues around bigotry and romance writing were highlighted early this year, early last year, when the Romance Writers of America, uh, RWA, became embroiled in a race row. The association suspended board member Courtney Milland for a year and barred her from holding a leadership position for life after she criticised as a, quote, racist mess, unquote, Catherine Lynn Davis's depiction of a half-Chinese heroine in Somewhere Lies the Moon. And the move was heavily criticised by major publishers and uh, authors, hundreds of whom who boycotted the RWA's annual Rita Awards ceremony, which was cancelled as a result. And the RWA subsequently reversed its decision, prompting a mass resignation of board members, including um, President Carolyn Jewell. And then in May, the RWA announced it was retiring the Rita Awards altogether and replacing them with the Vivian con Contest, which are promised will be guided by the principles of diversity, equity, inclusion and access. 
Um, says, so that's quite interesting yeah. because that's that's paralleled those um, those those equivalent women's um, sort of and and diversity um, being raised in in the um, speculative fiction world as well. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. guess that's the thing is that um, people don't call themselves fiction, but there is a lot of it out there as well. Yeah. And even in the just the ones who are pretty outward about being, you know, romance, there's such a diversity in there now that just wasn't being recognised. And even just looking online last night, I mean, even Nora Roberts came out and her foundation had sponsored, um, if you don't know Nora Roberts, she also writes under J.D. Robb as well and all kinds of things. Um, Hugely popular, you know, if you're you're a public librarian, everyone knows about Nora Roberts because she's always way up there. That that was immediately what I thought of when Mm. you said um, that the crime romance stuff was, it seemed to be a peculiar queer one because she writes under two different identities according to which one she's, you know, yeah. Orientation. I thought, yeah, that's that's kind of interesting because that's so much the case there mm. that this writer's writing in two different identities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but even she was just—I um, shouldn't say even she—but um, she was completely floored by what they'd done in the Romance Writers Association and actually pulled funding from uh, part of the awards, mm. uh, the awards as well, because of what what had happened and uh, to. Um, really been mainstreaming um, some of their romance. So, um, yeah, so if you're not so much of a romance reader, what are the good ways to find some? Well, you can visit your local library or in Wellington. Lilac? Or you could go to Lilac, of course. (laughs) Uh, Lilac certainly has a good range of lesbic in there. Um, There are certain publishers that you could look for, like Yilva, I think it is, Y-L-V-A or Yilva. Um, and Bold Strokes books, but um, yes, Lilac is, has um, a lot of good crimeance as well as romance books and some great series there, um, and you can certainly, talking rabbit holes, you can certainly fall down a rabbit hole of series there. Um, but also, uh, um, obviously, a public library, and in Wellington we have the LGBTQIA Reads ebook collection. But there are also, even if you're not a library member, Lilac or otherwise, um, you can look out for free ebooks. For example, I read a very cute um, NZ uh, historic re- romance recently set in a small Taranaki town called Alice and Jean by Lily Hammond. And um, I found out about that through the My Lesbic email list that you can join. And every week they tell you about free books, free ebooks that you can download. Um, and there are some cute novellas, or um, this one was so cute, Alice and Jean. It was about this woman whose husband had been at war and then being killed. And anyway, um, the local, uh, this woman called Jean, was a uh, work for the milkman and used to deliver the milk. And they took one look at each other and, you know, uh, it's very, very cute. Uh, but it's a nice story as well. And Lily Hammond writes under a couple of other names. So, um, But there are other New Zealand novelists as well. Donna Jay, for example, is another one. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a bunch out there. So... Um, but At more one on stage, I think. Yes, New Zealand writers were were you know kind of well and truly overrepresented in like the Mills and Boone writers. Yes, um, that's right. The, the New I, Zealand has quite a strong tradition. If it does. Could, yeah. The reason I'm smiling is so is that my mother was a huge romance reader and. Uh, 
And so um, she had a particular favourite, which was Essie Summers, was a Moles um, and Boom writer. And um, my mum owned quite a few of them. And so one of the shelves in our bookshelves at home is the Essie Summers shelf because it's all my mum's Essie Summers. <laughs> <laughs> and they were typically about um, this woman. Sometimes she was a governess and she would go up and uh, it would be – the strong farmer type, you know, on the high country farm. And they'd, you know, it would be, you know, she would be, he, she would think he was very gruff, you know, gruff and that kind of thing. And of course, you know, sort of burgeoning romance. And, um, but no, I, you know, in years gone by, I'd read some of them myself. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there like are heaps out there. <laughs> yeah. Wuthering so, paddocks. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so, the other thing was that um, just uh, at the conference, um, I'm just trying to get into here. And so, just while Fiona's yep. looking that one up, I'll, I'll jump in with a couple of. So, I'm not a big romance reader. I like boring bits, boring bits, move, move, move. Uh, but, you, but, but you must admit that No Man's Land had a very nice romance. It did. It did. Yeah. And, um, and I think the ones where it where it kind of, you know, it sits within the story anyway. Is um, mm. they, they probably hold hold more uh, appeal for me. Um, there's a couple of um, other things that, that I did uh, think of while you were talking about that. One is, is mm -hmm. that um, there's, there's quite a strong core of lesbian romance fiction writing in the, um, in the fan fiction world. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like um, kind of, you mean like bad girls or, you know, Dana Scully and other types of fanfic. Yeah, yeah where they, where they, you know, mm -hmm. following um, a character or, you mm -hmm. know, a pair of characters and, mm -hmm. and creating fanfic mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. um, but that fanfic stuff tends to be, you know, sort of, I think, but under under-recognised. Well, a, in fact, that would be another topic as well, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, because I know that, uh, for example, Carrie Hunter, who I've mentioned before, like she originally started by writing fanfic, and that's how some writers do start writing, is doing fanfic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and there's, a, um, there's certainly a group in Wellington who are doing that, but I haven't managed to lure them to come and talk to us yet. Oh, that would be cool. It would be cool. I yeah, so. yeah, because yeah, I guess there's so many... Um, uh, you know, sort of opportunities out there, I guess, particularly um, with TV characters or film characters, I yeah, guess, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, oh, well, that'd be another show. Uh, so anyway, just going back to the Romance Writers of New Zealand conference. Uh, so that's on the 7th and 8th of August. And um, uh, so it's got Nalini uh, Singh writing. Um I hadn't realised actually, but she's really popular and she's a New Zealand writer as well. And um, so she was born in Fiji and raised in New Zealand and multi-million dollar writer by the looks of things. And there's also Jay Hogan, who's a 2020 Lambda Literary Award finalist in Gay, gay Romance. She's going to be talking as well. Um, Anne Malcolm, who's an author of dark and gritty contemporary romance. And Jane Castell, who writes award-winning epic historical and fantasy romance. So, you know, I guess looking at the four writers, I guess what I'm thinking is that, you know, these aren't the mills and boons of old, you know what I mean? Which is really interesting. Yeah. 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 Mm. I think um, 
it's as soon as as soon as you're bringing diversity in, you 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 start to um, add dimension to to some of these sort of you know more um, generic types of um, of literature. So you know what what you got in in the speculative fiction and you know just the pulp stuff was the same in the romance pulp stuff. Um, but but the opening up the diversity means that that you start to open up the stories that are being talked about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, how? What about having some more music? Yeah, I think we've got oh. seven minutes and forty five seconds got, to go, and you go. So. I've got one thing. Yes, or well, might two. two I'll things. do one. One at least is yes. that over communicate submissions are. Ooh. Open at the moment. Oh, right. so so um, yeah. If you've got if you've got that uh, story in you, or you've got the poem in you, or mm-hmm. good artwork in you. Oh yes, I really like. And of course, we had Grace on the show yeah, one time, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, and mm-hmm. and so um, just to um, give that a bit of a promo, um, there's also a um, there's also a, a sort of repository of historical. Um, Lesbian sort of um, themes for for um, for writers as a resource. So I'll put that. I'll put a link to to that in the um, in our notes. Very cool. And mm-hmm. Fiona's finding us some music. I am. Um, I was thinking that we would uh, listen to Bessie Smith, Empty Bed <gasps> Blues. How about that? <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. Okay. Me, nah. 
That was a nice bit of Bessie Smith and trombone. It was, and um, we were just talking about the Bessie Smith um, biography that uh, Jackie Kay had done, which is coming to Lilac soon, I think. I think it is. Yeah. Um, I think it's possibly, whether if it's not in there yet, it's being processed to go in, uh-huh. um, and you'll be able to come and check out what these things that we're talking about that are in Lilac, because they're in Lilac, and... And what's happening on Tuesday night? On so, Tuesday yeah. night. Mm-hmm. So on Tuesday nights I'm running um, sessions and I've been sort of alternating between, I'd started off sort of alternating between three different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of settled down a little bit to the things that seem to, that people seem to enjoy is um, having ukuleles and just come along and sing. We were a bit rough last week, I have to say, Fiona, because we were a bit out of practice, but never mind. Um, and games. So um, so what I've sort of said at the moment is people can come along. If if you don't want to play ukuleles, um, there's tables there. I'll bring a couple of games each week in case people are interested in playing games, in case that's where the interest is or... Um, Come along and play and have a sing or have a sing and a chat and a sit around. Yeah, I went along yeah. last week and we I brought my ukulele along and we played a bit and I realised how rusty I was, but it was good to get the uke out again. And, yeah. And um, so we had a good range of games there as well. So And then, you could, then I borrowed something as well, so it was good to use my membership oh, there. and there's books there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and magazines and DVDs, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, something else that's coming up. But um, the other thing is uh, maybe Lilac will get another book that um, I got out of Hutt City Libraries this week, which is called The Ex-Girlfriend of My Ex-Girlfriend is My Girlfriend. And um, it's in the adult collection, but it's, uh, it's it's queer advice columnist, also known as Xena Warrior, Warrior Princess, <laughs> answers anonymous queries from all over the world with vulnerability, humour and a dose of good common sense. And it's illustrated by comics artist Kelsey Roten and based on Court's viral zine of the same name. And it's got uh, guest columnists as well, uh, like um, J.D. Sampson, um, Samantha Kirby, uh, Alan Kempner um, and a bunch of other people as well. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's very much from a queer perspective for advice. Um, and also uh, another thing that I'm looking forward to getting once it arrives um, at the library soon for me is a book called What Fresh Hell Is This by Heather Karina. And um, that is uh, menopause from a queer perspective. And I think she talked to Kim Hill yesterday. So if you want to check it out, oh, uh, you can on the Radio New Zealand yeah. site. So, yeah, a bunch of other things. Um, and the other thing I wanted to recommend from uh, the TV side is that um, you should look at Creamery, which is on oh, t- yes. TVNZ On Demand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so give that a check, and uh, we've got four seconds to go. And The Quilt of Bananas program plays every Sunday, 10 to 11 a.m., with news, views, and music. A collective of presenters, advertisers, community events and discusses news of interest to lesbians, queer women and non-binary folk. We have interviews about past and future sports and cultural events, politics, films, art shows, 
The programme is sponsored through the generosity of the Rural Foundation. And it plays every Sunday from 10 to 11am on Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM. That programme is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.